Welcome to The Bipod, a podcast about all things bisexual. We cover topics like bisexual representation, our own experiences, and queer culture. I'm Chelsea, and my pronouns are they and them. I'm Christina, and my pronouns are she and her. We define bisexuality as experiencing attraction to people who share your gender identity and to those who don't. We welcome anyone who has any kind of relationship with or curiosity about queerness. For more info about the show, you can visit thebipod.com or find us on Instagram at thebipod. We don't know everything. At all. This podcast is one piece of the long history of bisexual and queer discourse. We're here to be part of the conversation. Let's get into it. Hi, Christina. Hi, Chelsea. Um, and hello, Nicole. Hi, hi, hi. Um, I'm not allowed to ask anybody how they are on this podcast. Um, Chelsea gets very upset. So, <laughs> <laughs> Look, it just became a thing where Christina would be like, how are you doing? I'd be like, we talked about this last time, which is, I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, we had a, a replacement question for a while, which is, what have you been thinking about? But then uh, we have very complex thoughts. So we would just talk for 45 minutes and it wasn't conducive. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. Um, I- I'm happy to tell you either how I am or what I've been thinking about or a third question of your choice. <laughs> Actually, well, since what have you been thinking about, Nicole? Yeah. <laughs> well, in the very immediate, I recently adopted a new puppy and mm. she has worms and giardia. And so pretty much all I do is think about her poop. And yeah, I, I'm also a long distance hiker. That's a hobby of mine. And in the long distance hiking community, we talk a lot about poop. So, and I have heard from friends who have kids that they also talk a lot about poop. So I feel like I have found the Venn diagram between if you have a dog, (laughs) if you have a baby and if you hike long distances and poop in a hole in the woods. Um, Mm -hmm. So apparently I've been thinking a lot about poop. Hmm. You're really developing a niche. I am, I am. This is a whole new brand. This this podcast is now going to just jump into a new business model for me. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I, I feel like it's. I'm grateful that we're having this conversation because it has just been all puppy all the time, and it's really nice to um, not not be with her for a second and be with you instead and talk about something that is not diarrhea related. I can't imagine that any of your questions on this podcast are diarrhea related. So it's really, I'm glad for the break. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We are going to have to change all of our questions if that's the situation. (laughs) We're going to have to just reschedule this whole. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Well, welcome to the Bipod, a podcast famously not about poop. Uh Yeah, a podcast about queer poop. <laughs> queer poop. <laughs> and that's our rebrand for 2023. Great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, yourself, however you want that to be, um, and your relationship with queerness. Yeah. Okay. Um, so some things about me and my life that feel top of mind besides the puppy, since we've already covered that. <laughs> 
Earlier this year, I relocated to Eastern Massachusetts from the West Coast to a town where I did not know anyone other than my partner and his family. And something that I'm thinking about a lot is the question of how do we make friends and how do we have Mm -hmm. community when we're starting completely from scratch? So I've been thinking about that these days. I've been watching the sunset earlier and earlier and trying to find a way to Imagine that as cozy and not sad. So that is very present in my life. Let's see what else. Um, Big mood. Oh, yeah, right. Something that I've been really practicing, like one of my personal practices this year has been to create a sense of separation between who I am as a person and the work that I do in the world. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to bloom in my non-work life. And something, this might seem like a really tiny thing, but something small that's helped is to change my language that I'm not over-identifying with work. So For example, instead of telling you that I am a writer and a podcast host, it feels better to say I work as a writer and a podcast host. Mm -hmm. And that small change of language is is useful for me. Um, So those are some things about me in regard to my relationship with queerness. I came out as bi this past spring. So that's why I'm here. Yay. Yay me. I I earned myself a spot on the podcast. (laughs) So honestly, it feels like I'm in a really fun phase of exploring what's true for me and getting to know this aspect of myself that's always been present but hasn't been given the space to be named and known. Mm -hmm. And that feels really sweet. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but um, basically anytime I think someone is like really cool and like they're, they're definitely bi. Um, <laughs> and then in my head, I just sort of like collect pieces of evidence to support that theory, which, you know, in some ways probably I shouldn't do because some people aren't bi and cool i guess um <laughs> some cool people are not bi uh, maybe Theoret- uh, supposedly allegedly <laughs> allegedly um and you were you were definitely one of those people so i mean i mean listen nobody I was, right. was surprised so <laughs> yeah I, I just i remember um I was on like a video chat Zoom thing, whatever, with my friend and former spouse because I had this like little list of people that I'm like, who do I not want to tell on the internet, right? Like, who do mm-hmm. I, who would I, who would I be upset if if I found out big things about them, like on Instagram, for example? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's sort of my some of my criteria for who I talk to one on one, and like in what format. And I, I told him, and he was like, basically, like, yeah, that tracks. That. <laughs> yeah. So you, Chelsea, you're not the only one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's always my follow up question is like, uh, did everyone else know before you or did like many people know before you or did it seem just that they were like, oh, yeah, sure. That makes sense. Like you have the the flexibility. Yeah, I, I think Christina it was, came out. Her friends that. had been waiting. Oh, yeah. One of my friends had a present ready for me. Uh. That's phenomenal. No, that didn't, that didn't happen to me. Um, if, if anyone did feel that way, they didn't say so to me. Mm. Um, I didn't get any reactions that were like, you know, I've been waiting for this or obviously it was more mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. That's That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um, one of my – one of the first friends that I – 
told it was over text. And, you know, I told her and at first she was like, wait, what? And then, you know, she's also queer and she, her, she kind of broke it down in a bunch of text messages. And she was like, you know, this really makes a lot of sense. You never had straight lady energy to me. I was like, I don't know know what that means, but okay. And um, she was like, I've never met a straight woman who cares this little about like dudes TM, like in general, like the opinions of men, centering men, like making your life about men. And she yeah. was like, so this makes a lot of sense. So I thought mm-hmm. that that was the funniest response that I got. <laughs> dudes TM. Uh. Yeah. Uh, also straight lady energy TM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. She was like, you've never really had straight lady energy to me. And I was like, well, okay. There you go. <laughs> That's good to know. Thank you. Uh, so funny. Um, when you, uh, kind of like came into yourself and like, uh, you know, had that, uh, moment of, or probably longer than a moment, um, of realizing that that label resonated with you, um, did you, did you feel like you wanted to tell a lot of people or did you feel like responsible for telling a lot of people or did you kind of keep it to yourself for a while? Like kind of what was that process like for you? Even like not thinking about the internet? Yeah. It's an interesting question because I think my default is to be an out loud verbal processor mm-hmm. with with everything, right? And like I feel like the sort of recovering codependent people pleaser must be involved, you know, must have everyone involved in all the things all the time is something that I've worked really hard to, you know, grow out of as much as possible. And especially, I know you said like taking the internet out of it, but especially because of the work that I do online and that just the online presence that I have had for my, basically my entire adult life, there was a good period of years where that all really uh, collapsed. Like I didn't feel like I had a separation between online me and offline me or personal life and work life. And it didn't feel good. And so there's, it's definitely been years of reestablishing or establishing boundaries for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so with this, this was one of the first things in a while where I felt like I had new information about myself mm-hmm. that, I mean, like I've made life changes or other things. I feel like perhaps the most recent example, and this was, you know, like fall of 2018 was when I knew that I was getting divorced. Mm-hmm. And that was a really um, intentional choice not to say anything to anyone for a little while, to process it by myself, to talk about it in therapy, to you know get to the place with my former spouse that we made that decision. And something about that actually was really healing and really helpful for me to not be like, okay, I have to talk to 10 people about this thing in order to make it real or in order to know how I feel about it. Mm. And so that just kind of like stuck in the back of my mind. And then with this, like you said, it wasn't a moment, right? There was a gradual, I guess, like realization process or coming to understanding process, which we can or cannot talk about, whatever you want. And I had a similar feeling of, I actually don't know that I need to talk about this incessantly right away. And it was a really careful choice of who do I want to tell and when and why, and what do I want those conversations to look like? Or really, what am I looking for from those conversations? Because I think the way that we share things is different if we're looking for reassurance versus mm-hmm. if we're looking for validation, if we're looking for permission, if like there's just, there's lots of different reasons that we tell things to people mm-hmm. versus like, oh, I this is something that's true about me and I just want you to know. That was kind of what I had, the place that I wanted to get to before I really started talking about it with many people. I talked about it with, 
I talked about it with my partner and one of my best friends soonest. And that was more in the like, I think this thing is coming up. Can we discuss? Right. And that was useful. But outside of that, I really waited until I was at the point where it felt like I have exciting news to share. And it was clear from the energy that all I really wanted was for people to receive it and to be excited that I was sharing it with them. I wasn't interested in anybody's opinion about it. Mm. I love that. Mm. Because we're going to be talking a lot about the internet, I'm realizing it might make sense to have you give a little bit of background for anybody that's not familiar with you and your work about sort of your, um, at least relatively recent, like history as a person on the internet and kind of the work that you do. Yeah, sure. Um, so in practicing my language, I work as a community funded writer and podcast host, um, I also facilitate workshops and retreats for folks who crave honest conversations and who want to develop their own self-exploration practice. That's how Chelsea and I know each other from a retreat that I hosted way back in January of 2019, where we first met in, oh no, no, we met in person at an event before that in LA. But yes, I have been doing all manner of honest conversation and self-exploration events, gatherings, resources, which I know sounds kind of vague. I feel like I have a totally made up business with a terrible elevator pitch and I've never <laughs> really tried to fix that, I guess. Um, but yeah, so personal story sharing, um, long form interview style pon- uh, podcast conversations and lots of other fun gatherings on the internet. And you were, you were kind of a blog, you were a blog person when blog people were I was a blog person <laughs> starting in 2007. Wow. So I have been talking about myself on the internet for an exhaustingly long time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was a blog person, never had any um, intentions of monetizing that or building any sort of career online. I had other jobs that I worked and this was the like wildest, most organic, slow grow journey of, uh, you know, I get people ask me all the time for advice on starting their own business. I'm like, I have not a one advice, go back to 2007 and start blogging, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually stuff will happen. But uh, yes, I I have been, and then I, I had it, the podcast that I have now, it's called The Pop-Up Pod, um, but I had a show before that for six years. So I've been doing some iteration of this for like 10 or 12 years now. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. Also, if you haven't listened to The Pop-Up Pod, you simply must. We'll make sure that all those links are available in the description uh, for the l- listeners at home. I will, I will say, it's funny. I mean, thank you for saying that. Um, so the first season of The Pop-Up Pod and the name is sort of, it's similar to like a pop-up shop or a pop-up restaurant where like 12 episodes will come out and then nothing will happen for many months. Um, it was sort of my solution as a creator to the relentless pace of always having to release new content, which is not for me. Mm-hmm. The first season of the show, which started um, in January of this year, was all about relationships, like under the umbrella question of should I get married, which is something that my partner and I had been and are still continuing to talk about. And that was like starting to record and research and make that season was really during the time that I was having this like queer awakening. So it was Mm -hmm. like, it was definitely part of it. I think the first time that I came out publicly was on an episode of that podcast and it was sort of by accident. It was like relevant (laughs) to the conversation and I said it and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're doing this now. (laughs) It's like accidental, accidental podcast coming out. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so kind of going back to like, um, speaking specifically to queerness, um, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, what coming into bisexuality looked like for you? Um, kind of like, what were the signs, you know, did you like, uh, multiple characters in parts of the Caribbean? <laughs> <laughs> very, it's very 
specific example or scenario of something you'd like to share with class? The class knows. The class knows. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. So you're you're asking sort of what that realization process looked like or what the yeah. different facets of it were? Yeah. Okay. Let me let me see if I can break this down. Um so first of all, like this has always been true. I just didn't mm-hmm. I think it was like internal by erasure, right? If we're going to like say that, Um, because I definitely have had past experiences with people of multiple genders. Like this is not, Mm -hmm. this is not like some groundbreaking thing. It was just something that I have come to understand is like really how damaging the narrative of an obviously like big caveat, all of this is just, I'm talking about my own experience, right? Like not Mm -hmm. putting this on anybody else, like my own experience of Mm -hmm. really being indoctrinated into the narrative that like straight cis women, like it's okay to experiment in college when Mm -hmm. you're drunk, Mm -hmm. right? Or like anything that fits under that, right? Or like, oh, these two girls made out at a party for 20 bucks or I, there's just like so yeah. much stuff that if I totally like straight, on, totally fine. Very <laughs> hetero. Right. Yeah, very much so. But uh-huh. there is sort of like a permission slip in big yeah. air quotes, like in straight culture that's like, yeah. well, if you're a certain kind of woman and you like look a certain way and are like fulfilling heteronormativity in all the other ways, then you like have the ability to be able to like do this other stuff and like it's still fine or it's yeah. still passive, whatever. So like that was very much my experience. Mm-hmm. And then I just sort of forgot that that happened, I guess, or like <laughs> eternal sunshine to that out of my brain, these like mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. multiple experiences like in my early 20s. And so that's just, let's just put a pin in that, right? That like, it's <laughs> cute that I just, I don't know, it's like cute the way that what we do in our brains. Um, mm-hmm. And so what a couple of things happened for me at the same time. Um, one, like I said, I had moved to a town where I didn't know anyone. And so all of the social interaction that I was having was in various like online communities or like long distance mm-hmm. friends. And I was you know, making new friends, whether on Instagram or whatever. And I kind of one day woke up to the fact that all of the spaces that I felt the best in and like the people that I was seeking out, whether it's for a business coach or therapy or all these things, it was like all queer spaces. So I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, that's interesting, right? <laughs> like, that's okay, cool. Let's like add that to the list. And then I had an experience of someone that I followed on Instagram who's just like very hot. Um, <laughs> I I had the realization that like the way that I was feeling about her, maybe like five or 10 years ago, I would have um, internally categorized as jealousy and not attraction. Mm. Like I wish I looked like that or I wish that I could like, put, you know, what, whatever the things are that realizing, oh, no, I don't want to be her. I actually want to fuck her. That's mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. like sorry, am I allowed mm-hmm. to swear on this? Please um, feel free. Yes. Great. <laughs> like that was interesting to me mm-hmm. as well. And so it was just like a couple of things like this that happened over a period of time. And there was like one night where I was, this is like a very cliche thing, where I'm like Googling the like am I bisexual quizzes mm-hmm. online, which like those oh, are yes. fun, right? Those yes. are really fun. And I remember. So my business coach, Barry Bear, they're fantastic. Um, I remember they had a blog post from years ago sort of about their um, uh, like gender experience and the like, you know, middle of the night, like 
panic, crying, like, I don't think I'm a woman, right? Like that kind of thing. And that a a friend or someone said to them, you know, no cis woman is like losing sleep over whether or not they're a woman, right? And that was Mm. sort of like an aha moment. And I thought back to that and was like, cool, cool, cool. I can't imagine the like straight lady energy, right? Like they're not losing (laughs) sleep over like, but am I gay though, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was just those couple of things. And so from there, it was like, almost felt like a, I have this belief, or at least my experience, that we know what truth feels like when we hear mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. or like the like embodied experience of that is true. For me, is like a very calm, non-chaotic, almost a sense of relief, even in situations where I wish that it wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I felt with the acknowledgement of it was time to get divorced, right? Like I didn't love that that was true, but acknowledging it, it felt peaceful to me. Mm-hmm. And that was how this felt as well. It felt exciting, you know, but it, I was like, oh, okay. And then it just felt really peaceful. And then the question became, what do I want to do with this information? Because it felt like this little tiny, tender, little like baby information. And, you know, what, how long do I want to keep it as mine? And, you know, what do I owe to other people? Mm-hmm. And what do I not? And so that was kind of the the phase after that. But yeah, I think it was like a looking back at past experiences and being like, cool, cool. Like those aren't straight. And <laughs> this this woman on Instagram and just, yeah, a couple of things at the same time be, and, you know, paying attention to the spaces that I was in. I was like, I'm either a really good ally or a cool, cool queer. So, <laughs> does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. The, um, the false dichotomy of do I want to be like her or do I want to be with her? Um, we got to throw that out because it's just, um, yeah, that's like, it's so easy to kind of be like, oh, I, I just want to, I'm just jealous. Like you said, that's a really good way to frame it. Or, um, like, it's so easy, I think, to socialize girls to like, I don't know, not be able to tell the difference between those two. When, like you said, I think we know, you know, I remember being 13 and like, looking at Victoria's Secret magazines and like knowing that I wasn't jealous. That wasn't what it was. Um, and then, you know, kind of like having that socialized out of me also really relate to um, the like sort of forgetting or like, or, um, you know, recategorizing um, queer experiences with other women. When I came out, I know I've told this in the podcast before, um, but one of my friends was like, we have made out like, what do you, yeah, of course you are like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I do think that there's a really strong narrative of like, this is a phase that you outgrow. Yeah. And I think for me, because I have traditionally been happy being in relationship with cishet dudes, that like, mm-hmm. it's not like I was in these relationships where I was miserable and like hiding who I was or mm-hmm. any of that, that it just became easier to not deal with it or not Mm -hmm. look at it. And I mean, the strength of all things heteronormativity, like it's strong for a reason. Mm -hmm. It was easier not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that it is something that like straight TM women um, like uh, maybe do or like or or deal in because I um, during that same time when I realized like, oh, I am not straight TM. I don't have straight lady energy. Um, one of my straight friends um, was like, you know, when you like kiss another girl at a party and it feels weird. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> is, does, it, does it, is it not? Oh, interesting. 
um, yeah, that's like a thing that we can unpack for the rest of our lives. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's so valuable to be able to reflect on that, like, after having years of intentionally kind of like, you know, unpacking and unlearning to be able to revisit. Yeah, I also think, you know, this question of what are the conditions that make it possible for us to be honest with ourselves about ourselves is something that I've been thinking about that, you know, I think one of the reasons that for a long time and not specific to like this topic, but that I wasn't honest with myself was because I equated honesty with action. Like if I admit that X, Y, or Z is true, then I have to do something about it. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. I'm like 11 and a half fish years sober now, but like that was a big part of being able to get sober was like admit, okay, this is a problem okay, you don't have to do anything about it. Just let's just first be honest about the fact that like this is really problematic the way that you're drinking. And I have really tried to open up some more space for myself around like letting what's true be true and then thinking that I have to do anything about it because I can imagine that, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, this, I I think I called it a queer awakening before, right? Let's just go with that. That that (laughs) would have felt really overwhelming, especially like I am partnered. It would have been, oh, well, fuck, what does this mean about my relationship? What am I going to do? What do I have to, like really getting, like jumping too quickly into what do I do about this phase as opposed to just this is something that is and has been true. Can I just enjoy admitting it and sitting with it and, you know, doing that? And that that has also been really helpful. And I will say that and then the other like criteria I think of allowing the truth to emerge is, excuse me, um, my current partnership from the beginning has really been the most intentional relationship that I've ever had in terms of, you know, we are choosing monogamy as opposed to that being the default that, well, that's just what you do, which was the case Mm -hmm. in all of my other relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really trying to, um, almost like queering our sex life before I really understood that that was a thing, right. That it doesn't have to follow this, like, cis straight sexual script of this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And like, then it ends this way, right? Like that, I think that the relationship itself already felt really permissive for me. And I had already grown a lot in terms of my sexuality without really thinking about it in terms of queerness that Mm -hmm. had already laid the groundwork for this, this new thing to be true. Like, I don't know that this, that I would have let this truth come out in past relationships. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk more about that idea of like something being true, like not meaning that you have to take action on it. Um, I, I very much hate uh, when someone it's usually when like women say that they have like realized that they're bisexual. Um, and the first thing that like someone wants to ask is like, what does your boyfriend think about that or your husband uh, or whoever? Which yeah. is like, um, I, it's none of their business actually. Um, <laughs> and also we ha- like hear from people regularly who are like, listen to the show because they are, often like in a long-term relationship with a cis man and are realizing that they're a bisexual woman and like, what does that mean? And what do they do? Um, I don't know that I have like a question so much as like, <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Well, I think it's it's really valuable to hear you, Nicole, kind of talk about that um, experience because um, a lot of the folks that we talk to, like Chelsea said, you know, share those kinds of experiences. And there's this sense of like, well, there's nothing I can do about it now because I want to stay with this person and I want to be monogamous. And so I'm just going to like make a Pinterest board or I'm going to like listen to the show or I'm going to like do these things, but I can't do anything about it. But I'm like, you are doing something about it. Um, (laughs) You're being yourself. You're engaging with queer culture. You're engaging with queer community. Um, And I think that like uh, we talk a lot on the show about like queerness outside of who you have sex with. Um, And that feels like something that's really validated in your, in your life and your relationship um, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, you get to like, you are doing something about (laughs) coming out. Um, Not just. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that for me in I, – I won't even say that I grappled with the decision of whether to come out publicly because that was, like, for me, a real no-brainer. The type of work that I do is very, very based in personal story sharing, which certainly doesn't mean that I share everything, but it would have felt disingenuous to me. Like, I feel like I couldn't do my job without – like, the, mm-hmm. this feels, like, too present, um, and mm-hmm. it would feel very much like a lie of omission in a way that, like, wouldn't feel good to me. Um, and also, it's not something that I wanted to hide. And like, I say that from a place of, I have so many intersecting other privileges. Like I I just wasn't worried. Like there was no potential fallout that I was worried about that, you know, that, so I acknowledge that that's, that's not everybody's experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, part of the decision to say something publicly or to like acknowledge it kind of like straight on, um, LOL, uh, (laughs) (laughs) is because I think that it is problematic how often um, someone's identity, like sexual identity, is assumed or determined just based on their current partner. Mm -hmm. And like I'm very aware of the way that my partner and I present or what people's assumptions would be. And I – something that I had a problem with when I was married um, was I don't like – sort of the assumed identity of like being someone's wife. And I know not everyone feels that way, but for me, I had a really sticky relationship with that of like, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to like be this man's wife? And it always like, something about that always made me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I should probably take that back to therapy. (laughs) I I don't, like I love my partner very much and I don't want to be defined by him in any way. Mm -hmm. And especially with something like this that feels really important and special and integral to who I am, it felt important to me to come out, it's sort of that balance of not wanting to take up too much space or more space than I need to, because I certainly don't need to be centered in this. And that I know that I'm not the only one in my situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I received plenty of private messages from people that um, were in similar situations or hadn't been able to say something at work or to their families, but like their partner knew and sort of that, that question of what am I going to do about it? Because I want to stay in this relationship. I, that came up for me to a degree, but it's been nice how much more expansive I feel than that. Like I, I feel like for getting, when I get caught in that, I have to remind myself that it's like a very narrow view of Mm -hmm. like your identity can be your identity regardless of what you are or are not doing 
romantically, sexually, otherwise, right? And like being able to carve out like sort of different silos of like, this is the identity piece that like is true, just me with me, regardless of if I am never partnered again for my whole life versus this is the part of this identity that involves other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your queer identity is like big and exciting and expansive and also your relationship fits in it. Like there's not actually a tension there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say A plus to all of my friends because I never once got the question of what does he think about that. So. Oh, good. You've curated your uh <laughs> I didn't, I actually well. didn't realize that until you, you both just mm-hmm. you know, like brought that up. So yes. Good job, friends. Yay. <laughs> Gold <laughs> I mean, star. I, I also think there's like people are entitled to have feelings about whatever they have feelings about. And also, if your partner has a problem with you being bisexual, that seems like a pretty big red flag for me about like being in partnership with that person. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Especially and our, yeah. And, you know, he was never anything but supportive and also probably not surprised, right? Like he <laughs> yeah. also knows about my history, right? Like Chelsea knows him definitely well at this point. Like not surprised. And like the um the thing that came up just in terms of like needing to talk about more clearly for the two of us was does this change how I feel about wanting to practice monogamy together? Right. And so he was more from like a clarification perspective of is this something that you know you would like to change essentially the, not the like terms of our relationship that sounds like a business deal, but for lack of anything else to say. And so far that has not been the case. Um, but the fact that it's something that we continue to check in on and like that monogamy is something that we were checking in on like every couple of months, like in the years prior to my coming out, it doesn't feel like anything has changed in that regard. And it's been really fun to like together as a couple talk about like, what does it mean or what could it look like to integrate this aspect of like my growth and identity into our relationship so that it doesn't have to be something that like, okay, well, this exists for me over here. And I like only talk about this with my queer friends, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like maybe such a silly, like low hanging fruit example, but it's like, you know, I, sometime earlier this year, I paid for one of the like fancy um like porn subscriptions right it was i don't Mm -hmm. know if you know erica lust but it was like one of her things and um it was like okay cool i'm gonna watch this like ethically produced like awesome queer porn like do you want to watch this with me right like and not Mm -hmm. to say that everything has to include him like of course i can have my own you know relationship with myself and i do and all of that but being able to find ways to share that experience together has been Mm -hmm. really nice and I'm not surprised by it because that is who he is, but it's been really, it's been delightful that it's been intentionally brought in and that it's something that he will like check in on mm. with me. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm also in a monogamous relationship with a man and um, we're not married, but he very much identifies with the bi wife energy label um, as do <laughs> uh, everybody that we know whenever there's like a TikTok thing going on with a bi wife energy song, they like send it to me and they're like, this is Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we also have uh, we have mutual crushes on uh, Rihanna and Anne Hathaway um, and a few other women. And it's like um, it's something that we talk about because I'm like, I don't want him to feel like he sort of just like doesn't get to have any boundaries about the way that I express attraction for other people just because I'm queer. Um, but also like. I I want to sometimes express those <laughs> um, and it's been really good to um 
like find the joy uh, in that and to like include him, like you mentioned, like in those and those experiences and in kind of those um, conversations, it's like fun and interesting and it feels really like comfortable and safe for both of us because we, there is like, you know, there's a foundation of, of trust that we can talk about if something doesn't feel good or maybe, um, you know, whatever that looks like. But um, mm-hmm. it's fun to kind of have that flexibility. And I think it's important. It would feel weird if I like had to be like, if I had to bring straight lady energy into my home. Um, yeah. I just don't, <laughs> I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Same. Um, something that I was really looking forward to talk to you about um, is especially if we're thinking about uh, the the internet and like what uh, experiencing life on the internet is like um, obviously we have I spent a lot of time thinking about like what I share on the internet what I don't share kind of what those boundaries look like um, but something I've been thinking more about is how I uh, handle or carry when other people share things on the internet Um, I think we have a lot of stories about like this person just wants attention or this person is like performing or whatever um, on the internet. Um, And obviously there's like, this is a very complicated (laughs) topic. Um, But in general, um, you know, when you see other people um, share big things like this on the internet, so like, I'm queer, I'm coming out or I'm, it could be something else too. Um, I always think when I see like um, engagement announcements, I like have thoughts and questions about like what goes into deciding when you share this because like don't you want to like tell people in person maybe you don't I don't know um but when you see people I guess maybe specifically coming out on the internet or you can talk about other announcements as well um what is usually your initial reaction or kind of like how do you receive that as a, a consumer of other people on the internet that's kind of I think a big question. Inter- I think it's interesting the two examples that you gave, right? Yeah. <laughs> like coming out um, and then an engagement. Mm-hmm. And um, when you said engagement, I don't know what this means about my brain or conditioning, but I definitely thought of like a straight couple, right? Mm-hmm. That was the first thing that I thought of. And so there's sort of a question there of like, are you upholding the thing or like subverting the thing, right? Like I, I think that's like a more complicated question, right? That like ha- how I feel – Okay. How do I feel? I mean, in general, I feel happy for other people's joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, not exclusively. Sometimes I feel jealous. <laughs> okay, right? Like I'm a person, <sighs> but I, I think my default is like, yay. You know, and especially with something like coming out, what a gift to get to know this person more deeply. And like, how can what they're sharing be a permission slip for me to be like even more seen in my own wholeness, right? Um, it's also a really good um, reevaluation point for me to stop and be like, what assumptions was I making about this person based mm-hmm. on what? And, and like, this will be different when it's like a, let's say a writer or a creator that I follow online versus like someone that I actually know, right? Like that's, that's, those are two different types of relationships. But for someone that I only know them through their work, we fill in a lot of gaps oftentimes like subconsciously, at least I do. And so when someone shares something about themselves that to me feels surprising or unexpected, it's a good reminder of, we actually don't know people on the internet. We know just what it is that they choose to tell us, and I need to remember that, right? So that can be a good reminder. I also feel like it can be permission to allow ourselves and our identities to change over time. One of the hard things about being a person on the internet, whether that's like monetarily or otherwise, is that you can 
get caught in what I think of as identity cages, right? Mm -hmm. Like in this, for me, I have shared about myself for such a long time. I've had so many evolutions, right? Like I used to be vegan and now I'm not. I used to be a runner. I used to live in a van. I used to like, there's so many things that for whatever reason aren't true anymore. And I think it can be easy to get backed into a corner or one type of identity or think people know me as X, Y, Z. And so therefore I have to continue to show up that way. And so anytime anyone does something that breaks that mold, I think it's really useful because we're allowed to change at any point and we don't owe anyone any explanations of that change. And if we are going to stand up and say what's true about us, then like that's a gift, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think especially with coming out, I, I'm always like, oh, yay, like you're doing a brave thing. Let me comment a bunch of hearts. Like, let me like receive you as warmly as I possibly can. Um, and yeah, I think like of all of the categories of like sharing on the internet, that's something that I am like uh, really, really warm and open to. Um, Same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, again, when you use the engagement example, it, I'm, thrilled for friends that get engaged when that is what it is that they want. And, you know, same thing when they announce that they're having a baby when that's what they want. It makes me sad that those are really the only, not the only two, but pretty much the two things that let's say women are allowed to celebrate, right? Mm -hmm. Or that like get made such a big deal over and not that they don't deserve to be celebrated, but there's so many other things about our lives and identities that also I want to celebrate. And so things like coming out, like, yes, let's, let's celebrate this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think about like whenever I share, I have a poetry collection that came out earlier this year. And whenever I share about it, uh, I like, I don't do it, but I'm tempted to compare like the likes that I get to the likes that I get on posts like that my boyfriend is in um, and a lot of that is the algorithm like seeing people's faces and whatever um, but also I'm like this is also a big deal <laughs> that's really exciting and important um, and I'm interested in kind of reframing I don't know reframing that yeah well and it's I mean I've, I have had the exact same experience right that like oh this thing gets very little engagement and then you know this whatever very traditional looking coupley picture there's a dude tm in the frame and yeah, now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like and that's also helpful for me um at the time of this recording I'm on like a three-month Instagram hiatus which has been incredibly useful for me oh, good um, for you but it's really things like that like what you just said the fact that that is true it helps me to unhook from the like worst my worst tendencies around validation seeking right Mm. that like something that I think about when it comes to boundaries of like what to share or not share online is I really try try not to seek personal validation from the internet Mm -hmm. like or from my work like it's sort of this question of like if there's something about myself that I want to share, right, like with the coming out, like what do I need here and who is the right fit person to go to in order to get that need met? And I will tell you that it's pretty much never the internet. And that doesn't mean – like I have be, I have met so many incredible people through Instagram, through my podcast, through my work. Like there is something that feels to me like a community, like a sweet space. Like, so I'm saying this without like throwing all of that under the bus, but I do think that getting clear with myself first about why am I sharing something and what do I hope to achieve by sharing this publicly 
really helps me to know when is the right time to share and what is the right tone in which to share. And for me with coming out, it was like, I'm sharing this publicly because it's true and I want to be seen in my wholeness and I'm excited and I'm inviting you to be excited with me was basically the energy of the like Instagram coming out post. And that is exactly what I received. So it's it wasn't like, oh gosh, based on what people are going to say, that's going to determine whether I am or am not okay. Because also anyone who I'm in real relationship with already knew. I had already Mm -hmm. told them. Mm -hmm. And so I think just for me, wanting to be seen in my wholeness is really important. Mm -hmm. And so that informed the decision to come out publicly. But I'm also, and I have definitely been burned by this, like have learned not to share anything where I would be crushed by people's negative responses. Mm -hmm. Like if something is still too, so, I mean, it never feels, if anyone's an asshole to you online, even if they're a stranger, like it does not feel good, right? Like Mm -hmm. I will obsess about a mean comment as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. But because that has happened, it's really gotten me to be a little bit more careful in, yeah, like if, if there is a thing that other people, if they responded negatively would feel like really soul crushing to me, then that is not a thing that I can talk about publicly or at Mm -hmm. least not yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about that, especially with with poetry, with art. I have lots of great poems that uh, the world will simply never see because I'm not prepared to receive criticism on them. Yeah. Um, and the topic, like, and that, and that's totally valid. Like, yeah. I think that there's this misconception that, um, like, honesty and privacy can't coexist. Yeah. That in, you know, in order to be honest, it's like, here's everything about me, right? Like, here's all of my trauma and all of every single thing, and like you can be really honest and also be really boundaried and really private. And I definitely am. And I don't, I think that that's something that people, that is a, like a misconception that people have about me is that I'm not private or that I'm so comfortable with vulnerability. It's just that I am comfortable talking about things that other people would find vulnerable. But if they truly felt vulnerable to me, I wouldn't be talking about them on the internet. I'd be talking about them like in my close personal relationships and in therapy mm-hmm. and in my journal, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. What, so you talked about like getting clear on what it is that you are actually looking for. Um, what does that process actually look like for you? Cause I know there have 100% been times, um, particularly in my early twenties when I was like, definitely made the wrong, like did not have that understanding of what it was that I was looking for. And like, often made some kind of like Instagram post that like seeing those things later, I was like, God, what did I do that for? Or I even <laughs> like, we'll see. This one is always like difficult to see when like someone that I know and I know that they are like having issues in their relationship and then like posts on Instagram about like how in love they are. And it's mm-hmm. like, what, what are you looking like? This is what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know like how easy that is to fall into. So what, what does it look like for you to get clear so that you don't do that? I mean, do it wrong enough times that you're like, this sucks. <laughs> like what you said about your early 20s, same. Did you hear the part where I've been blogging since 2007? <laughs> First of all, I didn't get sober till 2011. So like there's a lot of years in there where I like many th- – I mean, I was like an absolute like tornado, like horrible chaos hellfire person. No, that's, that's a reach. I But I made this mistake again and again and again and again. And to some degree, I do think that we get sick of ourselves, right? That it's like, huh, I continue to experience this same kind of self-destructive pain. Maybe, like (laughs) I have done this 96 times, maybe by the 97th time, I will be willing to try a different way, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't have any like cute 
um, life hack answer for you. Um, other than I have spent a long time like thinking about my relationship, you know, specifically with Instagram. Like that's the only social media that I'm still on. I feel much more comfortable. Um, I mean, I'm still boundaried, but like in some of my other spaces, like, you know, when I'm on retreat with folks, like I'll talk about things there that I won't talk about on Instagram. Like I sort of think about my life in terms of like spheres of privacy, right? Like if I'm on retreat with eight people in person, like that feels like a closed container. There are things mm -hmm. that I will say there that I'm not going to say to like 12,000 people on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. um, so most of what we're talking about is really just around Instagram. And I think for me, it's with the, with the coming out specifically, I knew I have had experiences over the last couple of years where people that I considered really close friends, I found out something like really important, like that they were having a baby or that, you know, something like that on Instagram. And I found it quite hurtful, like that we wound up having conversations where I was like, I love you. I get that this is the easiest way to do this, but like, this actually is not like this hurt my feelings. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know that there has been kind of like relationship movement around that of just because we do have access to each other's social media, like I do still want to hear from you in person. And so that actually helped me slow this down because I knew that how it feels to be on the receiving end of that and didn't want anyone else to feel that way or to feel like if they learned about it on Instagram, it was because I didn't want to talk to them about it. So it was actually a neat exercise for me. I literally, you asked how Chelsea, I opened up my journal and I opened up the contacts in my phone, in my iPhone and I started at the top in alphabetical order and I scrolled through and I made a list of people that I wanted to tell before I said anything publicly. And then I sort of divided that list up into who gets a text, who gets a phone call or like a FaceTime, which maybe, I mean, it's my very Virgo brain, but um, <laughs> it, that was useful for me to be like, these are the people in my life. How do I want to bring them into this new information? And um, then after that, it was relatively easy to just, okay, now I'm going to say something online to everyone else. So I don't know, a moment of pause, maybe if I'm like really react thinking I'm going to post something from a really reactive space, maybe don't, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe write it and save it as a draft and like go do anything else for a little <laughs> bit of time. Um, or maybe the exact thing that I was going to post, send it to a friend instead and be like, hello, this is the unhinged version of this. Please don't <laughs> let me do this publicly for three days until I've calmed down, right? Like, I think that we can put in sort of training wheels or fail safe for ourselves. But again, I only say that as someone who like fucked up online many times. So I don't, know. <laughs> don't, don't listen to me. <laughs> no, that's very useful. Um, like tangibly, like look at your contacts. Uh, who do you want to tell? Um, when you're kind of making those decisions about who like who you write in your journal um I guess maybe specifically about coming out but if you have a different experience with a different announcement you can share that too um when you're making those selections uh is there anybody or does it ever happen to you where there's someone that you you fear or that you're concerned that there might be some conflict about the announcement so for example coming out like I don't know what your family situation is like if you have any like uh, queerphobic family members that you're still in contact with or anything like that. But um, for people who you don't know if you'll be received well in those announcements, do you reach out to them via text or something? Or do you just sort of let them see the public announcement and, and stay out of it? Asking for very personal yeah. reasons, <laughs> looking yeah. for feedback. <laughs> um, I mean, 
with, I feel like it was incredibly useful with my friends. Like, I mean, most of my friends are queer, right? Like this is not like this, yeah. this, that was, it was basically like, yay, you know, celebrate me, whatever. I, I, one of my very straight lady energy friends, she was like, no one's ever come out to me before. This is very exciting. You know, so that was cute. Um, uh, the, I put off telling my parents until like the hour before I posted on Instagram. So I re I mean, and we're talking, I had been talking to other people about it for like well over a month at that point. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't afraid that they weren't going to be supportive. Um, I mostly just didn't want to deal with it. If I'm being honest, yeah. I didn't really want to deal with their questions. I feel like, um, that yes, my mom was the only one who asked the like, you know, what does your partner think type of question, right? Like that, that, you know, my dad's 86 and my mom's in her 70s. And, you know, I feel like I just, I just didn't want to answer a whole bunch of questions, right? Like I, yeah. I, I honestly wanted to be like, can someone give me the, like, what is the book that you give your elderly parents that like <laughs> has the FAQ mm -hmm. on bisexuality that then I don't have to deal with it, mm -hmm. which maybe that sounds shitty, but I, I just fair. <laughs> didn't, I just didn't want to. Um, and I think part of that was rooted in fear that even though I didn't expect, I didn't expect rejection, but I have, I think I have made quite a few non-mainstream choices in my life. And a lot of those being choices that um, aren't the choices my parents would have made for me. And that has led to having an at times quite rocky relationship. Mm -hmm. Um. Like even, you know, when I was married, we eloped, right? And they were really upset about that. And so there's just been, I, I almost felt like, is this going to be the thing where it's like one thing too much or like I'm too different? Not that I would be rejected, but I already feel like they don't really get me and that can feel really lonely sometimes. Mm -hmm. And is it preferable to outright rejection? Absolutely. But being in relationship with people where you don't feel known can sometimes for me feel lonelier than not being in relationship at all. And so I just felt like this is going to be one more thing that they just don't, they like don't get about me. Um, and that hasn't really proven to be true. You know, they were both really accepting of it and, um, then we just never talked about it again, basically, right? Like it was that kind of thing that it's, it's not like it has come up because I think that unless my life circumstance, meaning unless I were to be in a, like to them, visibly queer partnership, I don't think, I don't know that they would ever bring it up again. Um, so yeah, that, but I think that that go, like that issue and that fear that I was experiencing is like much like deep, that's decades longer. That's not just queerness related. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like tearing up on my end of the call. <laughs> um, but you still decided to that you wanted to tell them, um, like separate from the the online announcement. I because I I did because I didn't want to deal with the there would have been like this. I mean, okay, let me restart. <laughs> the same way that I felt hurt by the friend who like I found out uh, you know big news about his life on Instagram. Um, I know that my parents would have been hurt by that. Like whether 
my mom saw it on Instagram or, you know, random cousins that follow me would have mentioned it, right? That kind of thing. It would have hurt them. Mm -hmm. And for what? Like, we're not estranged. We're not, you know, it's, we are in relationship and it, I think it would have, it would have been hurtful for no reason. Or for me, it felt like it would have been hurtful just so that I didn't have to have what felt to me like a potentially scary conversation. And like, that's out of alignment with my values. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I don't, I, I am willing to have difficult conversations. And if first, like, you know, I definitely had to put some support up around it, right. To like tell my partner, okay, I'm going to go on this walk in the woods and I'm going to call my mom and tell her. And like, when I get home, I like might be in a mood, like, are you available to like be supportive to me? Right. Like there definitely were things that I did to make sure that I had support from people that I knew were really enthusiastic about my queerness, but it would have been more of a production and like another kind of harm repair had she felt out, found out on Instagram. And that would have felt like shitty to me. Mm. This is very useful to me personally. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> but yeah, I, I told her and then like an hour later I posted the Instagram post. So. <laughs> okay, well I'm free now. Big That's day. Great. Yeah. Big day. Big day for me. I'm just like integrating, thinking about my own parents. <laughs> I'm blocking right. the integration so I don't cry on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be the first time. No. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. I'm just like wow processing. Um. I know that that like that can serve as advice. That's a really useful kind of model and some good language for folks at home who are like thinking about those things of like how do I you know be the person I want to be on the internet? How do I have a public facing identity at whatever degree? And then also like protect myself and also like have boundaries. Um, Chelsea and I had a conversation, I think it was on the podcast (laughs) a couple seasons ago um, about like, we both make public art, um, but also like just because something is public doesn't mean that I want someone that I know to consume it and then talk to me about it. Um, Which sounds like a paradox, but I think everybody who makes things and puts them in the world, like, gets that um (laughs) or has experienced that um so it's always really useful for me to like um talk to folks in that situation um about how you make decisions around like um you know how you how you handle that so that's really useful um I mean I I also think too this decision of you know to come out publicly or when or what that looked like like it was not in the slightest, like it didn't feel like a safety issue for me. It didn't feel like a risk of livelihood issue for me. Like I think that part of the damage of like authenticity culture, right? If we'll call it that, is that it's seen really as this binary thing that like sharing more and more and more about yourself is always better and is always correct. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely disagree with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that like for me, this was a very, very easy decision because it was virtually risk-free right? Yes, I had some trepidation about telling my parents, but that was like my own stuff as it relates to like my history with them, right? That like, I wasn't worried that this was going to affect my job. I wasn't worried that, you know, people weren't going to love me. I wasn't worried that this was going to make me like less safe, right? Like a lot of the things that are very real considerations, like those weren't even on the table for me. So like the decision was 
really easy. It just was a matter of like when and how, what do I want to keep private and what do I not? Like this is the first, like I said, I sort of like jokingly accidentally came out on my own podcast. Um, but this is the first in-depth conversation that I've had about it in a space that's going to be public. Mm. I had said yes to being a guest on another podcast a couple of months ago, sort of around this topic that I wound up backing out of just because I wasn't ready to talk mm-hmm. about it yet. Um, and like, had it not been Chelsea, who I know really well, I wouldn't have done this. And not to say that I feel like I feel totally comfortable. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said yes, right? I feel I, I my boundaries are strong. I feel very good saying no. That would have been fine for me. Um, but even that, it's like just because we have acknowledged something publicly, that actually doesn't mean that it's green light. Everyone can ask every question that they have about it. Like mm-hmm. there's more nuance to this, that it's not just about, do you tell people, do you not tell people? It's like, just because you tell people actually then doesn't mean that, okay, cool. You can ask me like every invasive question in the world, right? Mm-hmm. That like, um, and that was useful for me to remind myself again, that like getting comfortable with the fact that privacy and honesty can coexist in lots of ways and that we don't owe anyone our innermost selves, like especially people on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you had any situations come up or specifically around queerness of like someone stepping on a boundary or like something being having to have that moment of like, I don't want to talk about this or no, no. And, and I think so I, I got some really sweet emails, you know, from people in my Patreon community that were very like congratulations emails or um, from like other bi folks who were very like welcome emails. And that was really sweet. Which <laughs> the I welcome email. <laughs> yeah, it was really lovely. And, you know, from some friends as well, you know, those kind of text messages and, and checking in on it. Um, no, I didn't um, or I haven't yet. But I honestly feel like that is a side effect of like other ways of being for me. Like I don't, I don't know how to like say this in a way that doesn't sound, I'm just going to say it. I, I don't think that I put out an energy that says like, please tell me what you think about my life choices. <laughs> like I yeah. just, I, and I'm talking like, especially publicly, right. I'm very open to what people close to me think. Um, but no, you know, it's not like pe- there was no one in my DMs who was like, well, what, you know, what do you think about your partner? Yeah, and, and again, if there was, I would, I would just ignore it and or block that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I've Love certainly had block. that happen over other, other instances, other topics, but no, I think I got lucky on this one. <laughs> good. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that had I not been intentional about having those one-on-one conversations, then I probably would have gotten more of that because mm-hmm. I think that people are like, well, does she not want to talk about this with me or am I not important to her? Or right. Like I think that there was something about the fact that I had a lot of conversations about it with people and that felt fun to me. I love that. I love the welcome emails. I love queer folks. I love us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I got some like and the welcome texts and the mm-hmm. yes. And not surprisingly from, oh, oh, you know, okay. So when you asked about the, what were the, you know, what were the things that came together to help me have this like queer awakening? Mm-hmm. So the final piece, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. The thing that was the like actual aha moment for me, which this is so funny. Um, so I mentioned uh, Bear, my business coach before. 
um, we had been working together on me rewriting some of the language on my website, particularly around like positionality and, um, you know, this is when I was working in some more financial access stuff and then just be like feeling that it's important to name like various like social identities and positionality. Right. And I am a person who does her homework. Like if you give me a homework assignment, like I will do it. Where is my gold star? I want to put it in my planner. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I did my homework. And so we'd been working together for years and there had never been a time that I just like flat out did not do. And it's not like they're assigning me the homework. Like I'm deciding, okay, this is what I'm going to do before our next session. And so it was like, a three sentence paragraph that I was going to write about, or maybe it was like one sentence about positionality. And I will tell you, I did not, I kept coming back for like months, not having done this homework. And I realized it was because when I was writing the like cis straight white, like the, the, it was not true. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, it took me a minute to wake up to why that was, but I'm like, why do I keep putting this off that I don't want to do this seemingly very simple homework assignment. And so they were actually also one of the first people that I told, because I sent them a voice note in our like coaching container on WhatsApp, where I was like, I know why I didn't do the homework. Like I'm very <laughs> queer. I can't put this sentence on my website. Like, that was very helpful. So apparently get a business coach who assigns you social positionality homework and you too can have a queer Oh <laughs> uh, I, that. I don't remember what you said that led me into that, but yes, that was the last piece <laughs> of realizing. It's it. interesting to hear you say that though, because I had like an instance recently of like writing something down and and like something about myself and then feeling sort of like I don't like that and having to like sit with that and like, oh, perhaps this is an indication that like I like this isn't something that I want to keep saying about myself like that this isn't the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which is awesome and again goes into the fact that like the more we give ourselves really like open permission to change at any time for any reason with no huge drama or trauma I think that that can be really freeing. It in it for me at least it like keeps me stuck a lot less long. Yeah. 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 Yeah, something that I learned in um, an artist collective that I'm a part of called Level Ground um, that I have integrated into my life and that I tried to like also practice in other areas is that we have a practice of always asking for pronouns like in every call, in every situation, even if we know the person. Um, we have a practice of like uh, acknowledging that that's a choice that like everybody, including cis folks make um, and that like if someone... Uh, like changes what pronouns they want to use or like anything like that like there doesn't have to be a big thing like we just get to say every time like this is what it is today um and I try to practice that in my relationships like in other like aside from pronouns as well because like uh, I want people to feel comfortable changing with me um or inviting me into the change if that would be useful um that's beautiful I love that yeah and just like just assuming that we are always evolving in some way. And like maybe some things that feel that felt true for us when we were 13 years old will feel true for us when we're 80 years old. And that's cool too. It's not like we have to change in order for, you know, us to be valid, but yeah, leaving space for whatever is true to be true. Mm-hmm. This has been a really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything that we didn't get to talk about today that you want to mm-hmm. talk about? I don't think so. Great. 
Um, well, where can people find you um, on or off the internet? Um, anything you, know, you want to pluck or share? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm currently not on Instagram. Um, but NicoleInternet.com is that's where everything lives. You can I'm very findable on the internet. So that's where you can find links to my writing and or podcast and or Instagram that currently is just a boring page in which I am not active, but that's where I live online. Great. Um we uh have a practice at the end of every episode. We say goodbye. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's this new thing we're trying. No one's ever done it before. Um. <laughs> we try to do it sync like at the same time, uh, and it's usually like varying degrees of success. But uh, would you like to to join us? Sure, that sounds. Good. <laughs> Let's see if we can get three people in sync at the same time. We most likely can't, but that's part of the fun. Oh. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, oh. <laughs> we can do a countdown. Oh, no. I start, you just have to. You just have to feel I, it. <laughs> I just have to feel it. Would we like to try again? Yeah. Yes, sure. So. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Now, yes, that you know, now that you thank know. Thank you for having me. Now that I know that there's no rules and this is just a free for all. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's much easier in person because you just sort of like you know you see. Oh it yeah. Happening, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Online. Okay. We'll try again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Everybody breathe in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Oh my God. Y'all are fun. <sighs> Thanks for listening to this episode. The Bipod is made possible by our patrons, including Bipod Babe level supporters like On God Gill, Christy Rodriguez Rivas, and Shauna Austin. You can find us on Instagram at The Bipod and on our website, thebipod.com. This show is produced and edited by me, Chelsea Bergen. And our theme song is Coming Home by Snowflake.